Well, welcome back. Some of you, we got some people new. Um, title of the message today is going to be, Why Do We Pray? Part 7, Fat on Fasting. And we're going to basically recap on what we've been talking about. We've got recordings and stuff, so anyone who hasn't been keeping up can go find those recordings. Or if you're on YouTube or Facebook, you can look those up as well. Um, but we're basically going to recap about what we learned last time. Uh, last time we learned about unbelief, understanding unbelief, and removing unbelief. Um, learning basically how to get rid of it. Unbelief is, we've learned that unbelief is the recoil of our faith. Unbelief is actually faith in our own lofty opinion, understand, in our, under, in our own understanding rather than God's knowledge. It is pride and it always quenches grace in our lives. <clears throat> and so we're going to be talking, we're going to actually be hitting on that even more today. It's not so much about how much faith you have. It's about how much unbelief you have. Uh, patience is key to effective faith and prayers. Nothing will be impossible for you. Only one person has to have faith and no doubt. And fasting and prayer is how we remove unbelief. And so uh, we're going to go back to a scripture verse that we read last time. Matthew chapter 17, it says, verse 20 through 21. Again, Matthew 17, verse 20 through 21. And it says, in the King James Version, or the New King James Version, it says, So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. The question that was asked was, well, how come we couldn't cast that demon out? And Jesus responded, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Alright, and we learned last week, um, or last time we, we, we came together, about how unbelief basically resides in self. Okay, so as much self as being, you know, exalted in you is as much unbelief as you're going to have. Okay, uh, fasting is to empty yourself. It's the process of emptying yourself. And prayer is the process of being filled back up. So fasting empties yourself of the world while prayer fills yourself back up with the word. Okay? This is this is key to removing unbelief. This is key to increasing faith. Okay? <clears throat> and so we're gonna go a little bit into more detail about that. What we notice uh, in Matthew chapter 17 it says uh, about Concerning the story of the epileptic, I'm going to read something I wrote here. That all the responsibility fell on the disciples. Okay? It never said, well, it's not God's timing. It never said, well, it's not, you're not gifted enough. It didn't say, uh, it's not God's will. It didn't, Jesus didn't say to him, uh, I'm, God's trying to teach you a lesson. <laughs> you know? Jesus didn't say, some of God's greatest gifts, greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, woo! <laughs> Golly, you know, we come up with some really funny doctrines based off of what we experience, but not based off of the Word of God, you know. Uh, and he also didn't even say this, the boy and the father didn't have faith. See, the boy comes up to him, of course, he's flopping on the floor, and God, and Jesus doesn't say, well, you know, if the boy just had faith, we can all get out, we can all be done here. Jesus didn't say that, you know. Surely the boy didn't have faith, but that's not the, that's not what Jesus focused on. And the father comes in and says, in Mark chapter 9, I believe, 
Help my unbelief. Okay? Well, so Mark chapter 9 is the parallel for Matthew 17. All right? And so it's better, it's, you can understand it better if you study both of them. But in Mark chapter 9, the father comes to Jesus and says, I believe, help my unbelief. He says to, to, to Jesus, he says, if you can do anything, have mercy and compassion on my son. And, 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 and Jesus turns and says to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And this is when the father says, I believe, help my unbelief. And so Jesus pretty much didn't use any of the reasons we use today. He only used one reason, the only thing that everybody squirms about, and that's their own unbelief. You know, anytime we say these things about um, God's timing or God's will or you're not gifted, what we're doing is we're just tossing everything on God. When God has definitely given us responsibility. And so I, I was putting on here, uh, all the responsibility fell on the disciples and their unbelief and lack of preparedness. If faith comes from the Spirit, then unbelief comes from the flesh. We prepare by prayer and fasting and hearing the word of God. We are called to be the one. When nobody else has faith, we are called to be the one who does have faith. See, there was nobody there who had faith except Jesus. But he was trying to demonstrate, hey, this is how it's done. You know, none of y'all have faith, but I'm not going to allow that to be an excuse. He brought that boy to me. It's gonna, he's going to be healed. You see? Now, now there were times like in when he went to Nazareth, it says that it says that he could only do but a few miracles because of their lack of faith. But I don't think it meant that um, it was their lack of faith that necessarily hindered it. It was their lack of faith that prevented them from bringing anybody to Jesus to be healed. Because he still healed a few people, which means that it doesn't matter if the, the city is reeking with unbelief. We can still see even a few miracles. You know what I mean? But nobody's going get, to come get prayed for. This happened all the time when a man come to Jesus who was blind and he'd look at him and says, what do you want? So part of faith is asking. You know what I mean? Even if it's not, even if you're riddled with unbelief, part of faith is asking. And then, allow, and then sometimes even going to a man who does have faith. Or somebody who can combine their faith. Or somebody who can strengthen your failure. Or somebody who can help you get rid of unbelief. So you can grow and so you can have faith. Does that make sense? But well, we understand that it's all falling on us, that God's already, he's already promised to answer our prayers. You know, it's just, we just got to get out of the way. All right, so we're going to go over here to uh, Psalm 69, verse 10. So we find that humility is key. Humility is key. Um, and we're going to explain this. This is what fasting, we, we talk about fasting and prayer, so we're going to expound on fasting and prayer. Last time we expounded on unbelief and how dangerous it was. And we also expounded on things like, uh, let me see if I can find this in my notes real quick. We expounded on how a lot of people give excuses, or a lot of people find in scripture even, things that uh, hinder our faith. Like having, uh, okay, some excuses that we hear all the time that Jesus never taught about uh, concerning your prayer. So, <laughs> sorry. These are things that people talk about that Jesus never talked about. Okay? But, we're going to explain. You know, so, we're talking about God's will, God's timing, the sick person's faith. So, we talked about that already. But then, you'll even notice in the scriptures, and we don't have time to go through all these verses for this. Okay? But, just know that it's in there. And maybe one day, we'll go through some, maybe later on in the series, we'll, we'll expound more on these. Um, but, the biblical reasons for unanswered prayers are unbelief, unforgiveness, not discerning the body, lack of peace with your spouse, wrong motives, 
Um, in other words, not being kingdom-minded and living in blatant sin. All right? But Jesus didn't talk about that. This is interesting. Check this out. Paul talked about those things. And I'm not saying, I'm not discrediting what Paul says. What I'm saying is, let's explain what Paul says. Why does Paul and these other uh, apostles, when they're writing the letters, say that these things hinder your prayers? Okay, well, if you have unforgiveness, unforgiveness is, is actually to cheapen the effectiveness of the cross. Okay? So when we can't forgive someone, we're operating in a state of mind of unbelief. See what I mean? Literally. So if I can't, if I can't forgive somebody then I actually am operating in unbelief, which hinders my prayers. You see? See, there's faith. Um, I believe faith is like a, like a blanket over all the areas you need faith for, and then there's also faith for each area. Okay? And what we described last time was this little spigot. I'm going to draw this picture again. You know, if you have a little spigot coming out of the wall, right? Have you ever seen those little manifold uh, spigots? You know, or manifold uh, hose connectors? Okay, so this is your main faith, but then you have faith for little things. Okay, for instance, this could be your faith to be your right for your righteousness in God. Okay, but this could be your faith for healing. And this hose is hooked up here, going over here. See what I'm saying? This could be your faith for finances. Okay, this could be faith for um, restored marriage. Okay, this could be faith for. Walking on water. <laughs> Whatever, you know what I'm saying? But this one right here is faith in the cross. This is, this is what gives you access to all of those things. So if you have a problem with unforgiveness, it's not over here in healing or, or finances or restored marriages or whatever, whatever thing you're believing God for. It's at the top. It's, it's the main valve. <laughs> so if you are having a problem with forgiveness... It affects all areas of faith. You see what I'm saying? So it's not a matter of just unforgiveness in itself. It's a matter of faith. When we have a problem with unforgiveness, we have a problem with the cross. It's unbelief at the, at the highest level. Now that right there will rock your socks off. Okay? Unbelief at the highest level. We have unbelief in different areas. Well, I just don't know if that can happen. You know, we have lack of confidence or, or our experience is screaming out at us. But we still believe God for forgiveness of sins. But in Psalm 103, check this out. Psalm 103, it says, but believe God this. It says, it says bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He forgives all of my iniquities and heals all of my diseases. The same passage, the same verse, right? So we realize that healing and forgiveness are in the same category. You see what I mean? Um, anyway, that makes sense? All this is... Uh, all right, so that's kind of a recap on some things from last time. So now we're going to talk about fasting a little bit more in, de in detail. Oh, yeah. Psalm uh, 69, verse 10. 69, verse 10. says, When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. All right, so there's many scripture verses that talk about how humbling our... How fasting... Fasting is actually a way to being humble. All right, and I like to describe uh, fasting as a fast track to humility. Okay, anytime we sacrifice something in our life, we are submitting ourselves to a road of humility. Okay, now fasting is not a one time thing. 
Fasting, this is a lifestyle. A lifestyle of fasting. Sometimes we fast our food. Sometimes we fast Facebook. Sometimes we fast watching TV. Sometimes we fast things forever. You know, we talk about um, different fasting. For instance, uh, what's his name? Samson. He took what we call a Nazarite vow. Alright? That didn't make him righteous. This gave him access to something else that he was believing God for. Okay? He humbled himself his whole life. God said, this is how you're going to live your life. You alone. Not everybody. Just you. Okay? So everybody, everybody has a personal Nazarite vow. I'm going to say that right now. Every single person that walks with Jesus has their personal Nazarite vow. Where God says, this is not for you. You're not going to take part in this anymore. Okay? So for instance, I don't have cable TV. I don't think I'll ever have cable TV ever again. You know? Because I have a road I'm, I'm walking down and I realize, for whatever reasons, it doesn't matter. Holy Spirit has told me. You know what I mean? I have a Nazarite vow with a strong drink. And I found out real quickly when I compromised that, why I should not compromise that. You know? But the Lord has said, no strong drink for you, Zach. Now, do I go up and preach to every single person they shouldn't be drinking? No, I don't think that's necessarily a heaven or hell argument, you know. But for me, my vow with the Lord, he is required of me not to drink those things. See what I'm saying? And there's a reason for that. And I would still, and, there, and anybody who goes down a road of addiction of any sort, I would encourage, you know, to not do that at all. Because there's things that it opens up, you know what I mean? But, my point is this. There's a Nazarite vow that happened with Samson where he couldn't touch dead things. You know, he couldn't cut his hair. There was these things he sacrificed unto the Lord all of his life. And when he sacrificed, when he compromised the things that were required of him to sacrifice, all hell broke loose in his life. Okay? So keep this in mind. Fasting is a lifestyle. When we sacrifice one day a week and don't work on that one day a week and we give it to the Lord only, and we just worship him all day and that's it, we're trusting God for our finances for that day. You see what I mean? It's crazy. Uh, we're think about that. I mean, when they when they told the people of Israel um, sacrifice this one day, the Sabbath. Okay. Then what happened was, it's like owning a business and shutting your business down one one day a week. You know, this is why businesses don't shut down on holidays and don't shut down on on the weekends because they love the money. You see what I mean? But those who but you'll notice a lot some of these people who own businesses that they really want to please the Lord they do shut their business down once a week. Because they are trusting the Lord for their finances. It's a sacrifice and it's a fast. And it's a tithe of the week. You see what I mean? So, we notice that fasting is a lifestyle. There's many types of fasting. Okay. Alright, now, if we go to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 3 through 12. This is a powerful thing right here, okay? So, we're talking about this because Jesus said, This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Alright, so, and I believe it has to do with unbelief more than it has to do with a demon, okay? Because Jesus told him it's because of your unbelief, right? So, if the, this, if, the, if the demon didn't come out because of their unbelief, and then he says this kind of comes out by prayer and fasting, then he's, 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 he's telling us the key for um, getting rid of unbelief, you see? So, if his immediate answer was unbelief, and this kind of comes out by prayer and fasting, then, then the prayer and fasting has to do with removing unbelief. And then I'm going to show you with all the scriptures how this really makes sense now. Okay? Humility. So we're talking about humility is key. Humility is key. I believe that this is the answer to life. Besides Jesus. But Jesus is a manifestation of humility. 
<laughs> in a person's body. So humility is key to everything, man. This is powerful. So Isaiah 58, 3 through 12, it says, why have we fasted? Okay, so, um, so God is talking about how he's quoting him. He's saying, you say this to me. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Okay, so you can see right here that fasting and humbleness are parallel, okay? When we fast, we practice humility, okay? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. <laughs> right? Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of the wicked, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Now this is powerful. See, if you, if you see this right here, this part right here says, is this not a true fast? Or is this not maybe even the purpose of fasting? Is this not what fasting is wrapped up in? Fasting isn't just about being hungry. Fasting isn't just about getting your prayers answered. Fasting is much bigger than that. He's saying you're missing it. If you're praying, if you're fasting just to get your prayers answered, you missed it. He's saying you need to fast for this, to loose the bonds of the wicked, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? See, that's a fast. When you take out of your pantry to give to someone else, that's a fast. See what I mean? When you sacrifice of your life, a lifestyle, oh, we already wrote that down and erased it, a sacrifice, a lifestyle of fasting. So, I fast every day. <laughs> Come over here every day, you know, and giving of ourselves, you know? And this is what it's about, man, living kingdom, you know? When we live kingdom, we are all about helping other people get their bonds free. It's not a selfish motive, see? It becomes about the body. It becomes about lost people. You know, it, comes, it becomes about the poor. To loose the bonds of the wicked, undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Watch this. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? To bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see the naked, to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. In other words, take off your clothes and give them to the guy who's naked. Now you're naked. <laughs> Whatever it takes, man. Man, that's a fast. <clears throat> What we're talking about is a heart. We're talking about a heart of fasting. You know, sometimes we give lip service, man. Sometimes we just do it. We just do it because it's the thing to do. It's almost like we're doing checking the box and we're going through the motions. But right here, dude, he's talking about a real heart matter, man. Like this is a heart of fasting, a heart of sacrifice, a heart of loving and self-sacrifice. <clears throat> Then, now watch this. So when you got this down, when, if fasting, if you're, if you're eat, not eating, okay, or even going through a program, you know what I mean? That's a fast, you know? If all of that doesn't lead to this, then it means nothing, you know? If the fast that we're, that we're doing of cutting out TV or 
not drinking or getting off Facebook and not having an account anymore or going on there once a week just so you can preach the gospel or, uh, you know, cutting out your food or whatever. You know what I mean? If you make all these sacrifices, but they don't lead to this heart of loosing the bonds of, the, of wickedness, undoing the straps of the yoke, letting the oppressed go free, breaking every yoke, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor in your house? If it doesn't lead to those things, then it's an ineffective fast. Make sense? It's, it, all it is is just pain and suffering. and It doesn't amount to anything. <clears throat> all right. Watch this. Verse 8. When you get this down, when your heart is right about the fast, and you're like, I'm doing this for a reason, man. I'm doing this to break the yoke. I'm doing this to, to deliver the oppressed. Oppressed in my life, me, myself, because I may be oppressed too. You see what I'm saying? But also, but, but Jesus is talking about this too. You know, it, he's actually referencing these people in Isaiah. Isaiah is talking about these people who are oppressed by Assyria, okay? But, and they're being oppressed by this other nation. But what he's saying is, you want me to save you from your oppression, but yet you oppress. See? You want, you want me to deliver you from the big problem, but you're still being the problem. You see? And so this is what he's talking about. Um, when you get this down, when you give what you want, <laughs> woo! <laughs> ah, Jesus is awesome. When you give the mercy that you desire to receive, when you give the deliverance that you, that you desire to receive, okay, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing spring forth speedily. And again, this is a hard issue, man. And that, that is a hard thing to deal with. The heart is so complex, man, sometimes. And it's difficult to have your mind, because your heart's made up of your soul and your spirit. So your spirit is already done, brand new, right? That's why you're at war with each other, with yourself. But your soul is, needs, to be re uh, needs to be renewed in the Word of God. And you start to submit. Your soul has to submit. That's why it says right here, I wept and humbled my soul with fasting. So it's a dying of the flesh. Okay, that makes sense? All right. <clears throat> and righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Re your rear guard is your defense. Woo! <laughs> your rear guard is the guy back behind you that's protecting your back when you're out fighting. So when we when our heart gets right, we inherit a, a rear guard. <sighs> wow. When our heart becomes merciful, and like God, like God's heart, we inherit a rear guard. Wow. And, you know, there's phases of this too, you know. Humbleness is not being perfectly humble. Humbleness is a process. Well, I've said this many times. Humbleness is not the absence of pride, but humbleness is the ability to cast your pride aside. Okay? Let me say that again. Humbleness is not the absence of pride. It's the ability to cast your pride aside daily, every single day. Dude, I constantly have to humble myself every day. Always learning. Man, what am I, do I have a heart issue here? You know? And I, people might not notice that, but it's because I fix it so fast and nobody else notices it. You see what I'm saying? And so it, to say that you'll, you'll be perfectly humble is, is not, I mean, it's not going to happen. Perfect humility is able to be humbled every day. 
is to be continually humbled every day. Does that make sense? And and humbling yourself daily. Does that make sense? <clears throat> and that's that's the journey that's the journey of a Christian, man. Alright. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer and shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take a watch this, if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of of the streets to dwell in. Jesus is awesome. Fasting and sacrifice do not move God. It moves us into a position to receive from God. And we think, well, if I do this, and then God will answer my prayers. But that is not how it works. God is not moved by our fastings. We are moved. Our unbelief is removed. And we choose to believe God. See, God already moved 2,000 years ago. He already did it. He already gave us access to answer prayers 2,000 years ago. It's us. It's We are the problem, not God. We're in the way, not God. God's not withholding anything from us. Okay? We are not positioning ourselves. Okay? That's humility. Only in humility will we receive grace. But fasting isn't only food. We talked about this a second ago. Fasting is a lifestyle. Sure, there's a time for fasting from food. It is the fast track to humility, I say, right? And denial of fleshly desires. But a fast is complete, watch this, when I am truly humbled and changed my heart from selfish desires to godly desires. That's whenever a fast is effective. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Stop. So we say, man, that's all bad. But what's that lead to? All of that leads to having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power. Having appearance, and this is what happens, man, especially if we we're Now, what does this say? Our People whose hearts aren't right, but they say, I'm, you know, they want godliness. It's weird. It's weird. I'm not saying it's all a heart issue. So whenever we look at this, we have to examine ourselves. Nobody else can point the finger. Like this is like the word of God cuts and it molds and it chisels away. You know what I'm saying? So let this chisel away at your hearts, you know, let it chisel away. Let it. It's good. It's good for us, you know. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Watch this. Avoid such people. <laughs> For among them are those who creep into houses and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Verse 7. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Man, that's... Oh. Now, I don't think that he's saying that these people don't have any hope. He is saying we got to beware. We gotta watch this, you know what I mean? We gotta examine our hearts, make sure we're not falling into that category, you know? We can learn twisted truths that have no power to set us free. Alright, so this goes back to the Matthew chapter 17 where he says, um, oh, faithless and twisted generation. So he comes down there, they can't heal the boy, okay? And he says, oh, faithless and twisted generation. 
So that's the answer. They have they don't have faith and they're twisted. So what we have a lot of times is we have an understanding of God, but it's twisted. Okay? And it's all it is is the lies of the devil deceiving us. We're going this way and we're like, this is how it should work. But all of a sudden we realize it's not working. Why isn't it working? It's just because we have a twisted understanding of how it works. If we'll humble ourselves to the Word of God and let it change us, we'll realize some, some truths that just explode, you know? That, whoa, man, I'm the problem, not God. That's one of them, you know what I mean? And so, makes sense? All right. But the real truth will set us free. Now, I always tell people that, man. If you're not having freedom, then there's something wrong with your understanding of the truth. That's what it is, you know? That's all it is. <clears throat> James 4, 1 through 10. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your, that your passions are at war within you? <laughs> it's that, you know, you're like, ah, I want this and I want this. And, you know, it's, it's this is a good word right here, buddy. Woo! Oh, man. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder. Watch this. Watch this. You desire and do not have, so you murder. Man, this is, wow. So you murder, and we're not talking about just killing somebody. We're, we can kill some people with our, with our words, you know? <laughs> right? And we've been all guilty of this, you know what I mean? We, we, we get aggravated. <laughs> Somebody's thinking it, not me. <laughs> you know? We are guilty of this, man, where we, where we, our passions are at war within us, you know? And then we, we desire and we don't have it. So we just like start machine gunning everybody with our words. You know? Die! Everybody just die around me, right? And so anyway, this is a very self-revealing scripture here. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. This is hard. This is James 4, 1 through 10. Watch this. Watch this. You, it says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Verse 4, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or hatred with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no, no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And the next step is very clear. How do you draw near to God? Cleanse your hands, your, 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 cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned up to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. So powerful. I always say, man, if you go into a conversation with God and you don't come out very confident, and just because you're yelling and stuff doesn't make you make you confident. You know what I mean? It really is a sign of insecurity. You know what I mean? If we don't come out of conversation with God exalted and confident and built up, 
then we didn't go into the conversation very humble. Okay? If we go into the conversation with God in humility, God always exalts us. This is a powerful thing, man. God, if we go in low, He makes us high. You know? He, he exalts us. He, he builds us up. It's a powerful thing, man. But if we come out grumbling and complaining, then we went in with pride. You know? So if we, anyway, make sense? Grace in our life comes from walking humbly before God and man. Okay? Uh, this is powerful stuff. Are we out in time? You yeah. know? It's good. Man, uh, that, that is key, man. The scripture is very clear. If we will humble ourselves before him, he will exalt us. And so, it's a lifestyle of fasting. You know? A lifestyle of self-sacrifice. And it's in, from the heart, man. Man, it's from the heart. Man, it's from the heart. It's from the heart. From the heart. You know, we can... The scripture says that, you know, they bless me with their mouth and then curse me. You know, with the same mouth. <laughs> you know? And, and, and those people... Here's what happens when we get into that point. When the grumbling and complaining, we end up in the desert. And we stay there for 40 years. You know? And listen. You know, God can listens to the grumbling and complaining, but he just doesn't give you any blessings. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and the grumbling and complaining isn't just with the mouth. It's in the heart. So we have to have a thankful heart. That's why the scripture says he loves a cheerful giver. You know? He loves a cheerful giver. Man, that's hard. <laughs> he loves a cheerful giver. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God, right? Man. I think that's pretty much what I'm going to finish on right there, man. Um, when we start to praise him, man, and this goes back to even the second and third teaching of the series, when we go back to praising him, man, that's whenever we start breaking down the walls, man. That's when the walls start coming down. And when we praise him, we refocus our faith, you know? And the fasting, the reason why we fast is to intentionally put us into... This is good. When we fast... We intentionally put ourselves into a place of squeezing. It's a what we're doing is we're preparing ourselves for when the devil wants to squeeze us. This is good. What you're doing is just like whenever you go into boot camp for for the military, they intentionally put you through rigorous training so that when you're on the battlefield, you already went through some of that. You're already prepared. You see what I mean? So, but you submit yourself to that when you're when you go in the military. You submit yourself to that boot camp, so you can go through the trial, so you can overcome. So you can the Marines talk about it. You know, it's a mind over matter thing. You know, you can there's there, there's your body always says I can't do this, but your mind can always say I can, and you can always overcome the thing that is coming against you. There is absolutely nothing you can't overcome. It's just your body screaming out, and it's time for everybody to die. <laughs> Die, unless you die. <laughs> you know, I just die. You know, kill your flesh, man. So here's the thing. When you're going through that, that rigorous time and it's painful on your flesh, just tell your flesh, die already. You're supposed to be dead already. Die already. <laughs> die. Die, sucker. Die, flesh, because you are destroying my life. And I'm going to put you in the ground and you're going to stay there. You know, and that is the key to overcoming 
some of the trials, man. When I'm getting irritated, I'm like, it's just my flesh, man. It's just my flesh. And nobody else's fault but mine. Because I've mag- here's what it is, man. It's a magnification. If Check this out. Your flesh is bruised all over. Your flesh is bruised all over. If I come and touch your skin, it doesn't hurt you. But if I touch your bruise, it magnifies it. You see what I'm saying? And that's what happens. Our flesh is just a one big pulpy bruise. And so when we get into trials, we ended up, we just scream. You know what I mean? We hate it. So if our flesh dies, then we don't experience it as much. See what I mean? That's a good word. Jesus is awesome. So, and, and what does it do, man? Check this out. You know, uh, we, were, we were studying this a while back about how Jesus esteemed not his suffering. He esteemed not his suffering. I really wish I could find that scripture verse. Do you know where that is by chance? He esteemed not his suffering. He's going to look this scripture verse up for me. And the reason why he esteemed not his suffering was because of love. He overcame all the suffering. And this is what a woman does when she goes through childbearing. She loves the child. So when she goes through the pain of childbearing, she just bears down and, you know, and she gets that child out and she goes through the pain, but she forgets her pain, the scripture says, because of the joy of the child. This is powerful stuff. You know, everything worth getting always takes sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know? Every, man, every single person you study that was successful failed again and again, you know, and they experienced failure and they experienced pain, you know, which encourages me, man, I'm encouraging myself right now because there's times, man, I feel like, man, am I spinning my wheels, you know, but that's just a lie from the devil, <laughs> you know, it's a lie from the devil, man. This is the child, this is the childbearing pains, you know, but it's when it, whenever we finally give birth, man. It's going to be a beautiful baby. And this baby, we're going to cultivate it. We're going to grow it. And it's going to be the joy of our life. You know? When we really love something, we'll pay the cost. You know what I mean? Think about that. People who really, 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 really want that car over there, they'll spend the, they'll go into debt $40,000 for it. <laughs> they'll become a slave just to get the one thing they want. You know? And then the rest of the time, the next 10 years, they're kicking themselves. Why did I get that car? You know, <laughs> you know, Every but time it gets a scratch, they hate. Themselves. Oh no! Why did I do this? You know, <laughs> um, I don't know where it is, but you know, it's the same deal, man. When we when we have those uh, sufferings, and we were like, man, it's not worth it. And that's what the, that's what the Egyptians did, man. I mean, the Israelites in Egypt when they came out of Egypt, they started going through the suffering. They wanted freedom. Remember, we want to be free. We don't want our taskmasters anymore. Moses comes, delivers them. They start walking out in the desert. Immediately start complaining. Didn't we tell you to leave us alone? Were there not enough graves in Egypt that you would have to come out here to the desert and die? (laughs) Immediately they're looking back. I wish I was back. You know, that's what we get tempted with. When we start seeing freedom in our life, but we start seeing the sacrifice that it takes, immediately we want to run back to bondage. (laughs) But... We have to realize that it was the people's unbelief, what God was doing, even though they were going through this desert. They had to believe God. They're going through this desert. But they, they did not believe God. So what happens? They stayed in the desert. The only way to come out of the desert is to continue to believe God. 
even in the middle of the desert. And never, ever say, man, I wish I never did this. Man, I wish I just stayed back there, you know? If we ever find ourselves saying those things, we know we're under the sway of the, of the evil one, man. That he's just trying to get us right back to bondage. So, praise the Lord. In the name of Jesus, man, I thank you, Father, for this good word. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Lion ministry podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, please visit our website at www.boldasalignedministries.com. Subscribe to our Facebook for updates on what God is doing in our ministries and our YouTube page for updated teachings hosted at the Barracks Discipleship and Recovery House. For weekly refreshing word, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. We pray strength and blessing for you and yours and for the courage to walk boldly for God. 